tonight for the opportunity, again, just to take a look at Your Word and some of the foundational things that, that we need to have in our lives, um, just to know that uh, we can stay on that right course walking with You. Bless Your Word tonight, and uh, just be with Tim and Michael and Chris and Seth and whoever else drove down to Orange County. Keep them safe as they drive home. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, and for the guys that, that are sick, um, we pray that you would just help them to get better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I'm guessing Tanner must have got sick too. I'm sick right now. And you're sick. Stay away from Rob. Yeah. Drink the water, not coffee. All right. Okay, so tonight's uh, message that we're going to be looking at is prayer. Okay, the importance of prayer and spending communion time, communion time with God. Okay, so that's that's what our focus is going to be tonight. Um, you can't jump ahead because you don't have notes, so you don't know where I'm going to go. So you're just going to have to get your fingers going through your Bibles. Uh, does anybody need a Bible? We have Bibles. I brought mine today. Okay. Anybody else need one? We got them right there in a the basket. Anybody needs a Bible? Everybody's covered. Don't be shy if you need to grab one. It's, that's what they're there for. Grab it. You can keep it too. Yeah. That's what they're there for. If you forget it or if you need one, they're there to keep. Do what you will. We want to make sure everybody at least has this. You guys need to check me. That way find out that I'm telling you the right stuff. Okay, so the first thing we want to look at in prayer and the importance of prayer is going to be in Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to start with this. And it says, And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So the disciples are watching Jesus. He finishes praying and they go, hey, teach us how to pray. Prayer is one thing that uh, a lot of people are intimidated by prayer, especially in a church setting or a group setting. I think a lot of it is because the pastors, the important guys, make it seem like something that's like you got to, you know, you have to go to seminary and learn how to say the right words so that God can actually hear you, and it's it's not what it. It's turned into something more than what God wanted it to be. Prayer is basically broken down is our communication with God. That's all it's supposed to be. Us just talking to God. So we don't have to have all these high, like lofty, super religious terms when we talk to God. Um, it's funny. I listen to people pray when they're praying. And if your prayer goes very long, like probably more than 20 seconds, you lose me. I'm like, I'm done. I'm off somewhere else, you know, thinking about the beach or whatever. I, I, I'm I'm very short. I miss the beach. Like ADD or whatever. I don't know. I, it's, I got one of those, a bunch of those letters, ESPN or something. <laughs> but I just can't handle long prayers. And um, people think you need to do that. And that's that's not... Truly, what we're supposed to do. So when these guys, when they asked Jesus, when this disciple had asked Jesus, teach us to pray, in Luke 11, Jesus then goes into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to cover it there. We're going to go back to Matthew and take a look at the scenario that kind of happened. Um, it's, it's the same basic situation, but there's a little more detail in Matthew, which is strange because Luke is usually more detailed than Matthew is. But we want to we want to look at <clears throat> how Jesus taught them how to pray. We know that as the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, but we'll look at that at the end of the study, not here at the beginning. Okay. What we're going to look at is the model prayer. So when the disciples said, "Teach us to pray," in Matthew chapter six, starting with verse five, Jesus said. And when you pray, he just talked about doing charitable deeds and being seen by men and all that. You don't want to do that. We looked at that already um, last week. 
Verse 5, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So, He says, teach us to pray in Luke. And this is the same, it's, it's, this is Matthew's account, the same account as what Luke was talking about. But we get a little more detail and Jesus tells him, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Okay, so the hypocrites, they love to stand in the synagogues on the corners of the streets so they can be seen praying. So they're perceived to be godly people. They, they make long prayers. The Jews used to wear a thing called a phylacteries. A phylactery is a little box that they keep on their head. And they also always have one hanging from the wrist. And it's, it's the commandments of God in this little box. And they wear their phylacteries during their prayer. And it's keeping God's word close to their mind and on their the work of their hands and all kinds of stuff like that. They had different rituals they would do to make themselves seem to be more godly than everybody else. Which is prayer. So many times you hear prayer so I, my friend Bruce, it's great. Mark was just, Mark and Stephen, we were just over at their house last week when we were in Hollywood doing a job down there. And uh, my friend Bruce is like, we, he, okay, let's pray for the meal. And Bruce prays and he goes, Lord, thank you for providing this food. Amen. I said, this guy is an Old Testament theology professor. Been saved for 70 plus years. That's his prayer. I'm like, that's great, man. The food never gets cold. You're on it, man. It's in, so he, one night, Stephen had a frame, one night Mark prayed. And they know it's easy because you don't have to impress Bruce. Quick little prayer and you're done. You're eating. Okay, so you don't want to be like the hypocrites. They stand on the corners. They want to be seen praying. The prayers don't need to be like that. Um, I'll get a little bit more into the way I think a prayer should look more like. And this is my own perception of what I think it should be. Um, But uh, we'll get into that. But his, his first thing, okay, so you don't pray like a hypocrite, so you don't do it out in the open. It doesn't mean you can't pray publicly. It's the motivation of your heart while you're praying publicly. They're doing it to be seen. Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, because your motivation isn't so that people see me do this. Your motivation is, I want to talk to I just want to talk to God. This isn't a show for people. This is just so that God and I can get together and I can align with what God has for me. That's that's really what we're trying to do. We're not trying to change God's mind to have Him do something for us that maybe He wasn't going to do. And if we coax Him and we talk to Him enough, He'll finally do what we want. It's for us to align our will with Him. So we go, God, what are you doing? Um, we have a, a little like test thing that we do for gifts of the Spirit. And... Tanner found it somewhere. And uh, so we, we a lot of us have done it. To find out what the gift that God has given to us, because God had given every man a gift. We went, we covered all that with the Holy Spirit and stuff. Um, the gift is <coughs> to give you a direction to go in the gift that you gifting that you think God has for you. So it's just kind of a, a, a give you that direction. Prayer is kind of the same thing. God, I'm feeling like maybe I should be going in whatever direction it would be. And can you confirm that with me? And you, prayer is not just talking, it's also listening. So, you know, there's an old timer at when the Calvary's first started, his name was Romaine. And he used to always say, God gave you two ears and one mouth because he wants you to listen twice as much as you talk. Okay? That's my gift is talking. I need to listen more. Um, I talk twice as much as I listen, and I need to change that. But uh, we want to make sure we're, we're we talk to God, and then we listen to God. We can confirm what we think God is saying to us. We went through the Word of God and, and the infallibility, inerrancy of it. He will never tell us to do something that would contradict 
what is written in His Word. Okay, um, If you guys haven't gotten into or studied that and you want to know more about that, we have the CDs when I covered the Word of God. It's inerrancy and infallibility and the importance of it in our lives. So when we pray, do it in private. I figure most of the time the people that are praying long public prayers... There was a guy, uh, C.H. Spurgeon, I believe him. He was from the uh, early 1900s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said that typically when you see someone spending a long time in public prayer, it's because they haven't spent a long time in private prayer. So when they get out in public, that's when it's all coming out. If you spend a lot of time with God in private prayer, when you get out in public, the prayers are usually pretty short. You've already spent a bunch of time with God. You already know what's going on there. So you, you just, you know, uh, quick prayer, you know, I... The way I do it, and I said I was going to say, what I do is, is I'll, I'll just be silent. If we're at a prayer meeting, I'll just be silent. And I'm praying silently to God, what is it, God, that you want me to say? What is it that I need to pray out loud for that specific thing? Okay, I don't pray around the globe for every missionary, every person that ever even thought about Jesus, and every person that ever accepted Jesus, and the dogs and the cats and the squirrels and the climate and the... You know, you guys have been to those prayer meetings, I think. I've, I've been to them. Those are the ones that put me to sleep. So I just pray, what is it, God? And he'll give me something, and I'll pray that. And I'm done. Short, quick, concise prayer. Um, sometimes he won't tell me to say anything, and I'll just keep my mouth shut. I'm okay with that, too. I don't have to pray. I don't have to say anything. So I just want to know, God, what is it? You know, because what I want is, if he gives me something, it's, it's he's laying it maybe on somebody else's heart also. And it's just to get agreement so that everybody would agree. You know, yes, I, I agree with you on whatever that thing is. You know, like I'm praying for Michael is the one that normally does worship, my son-in-law. Tim, my son, the big, tall, bearded guy that played worship last night. Um, and then Chris Berry runs a conference center in Twin Peaks. And Seth Wisner uh, does a conference center. They went to Orange County. So I was just like, oh, yeah, let's pray for them. And then I always want to pray for, you know, the guys that are sick, whoever's sick. So just quick, short a lot shorter than my teachings. Um, that's what we want to do. Keep it short. Keep it quick. Don't put anybody to sleep with your prayers. But he says, don't be like them. And he says, and when you pay, pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. And that doesn't mean that you can't pray for something over and over again. Maybe morning, evening, day after day, maybe week after week. You know, pray for your unsaved loved ones. It doesn't mean just pray for them once and don't ever say anything else about it. What this is talking about, the vain repetition. Okay, vanity is emptiness. Basically, that's what that word means, is emptiness. Um, I was actually talking to a guy today. Uh, I had a conversation, I think it was last Thursday or Friday. I don't remember when I had that conversation. I had like an hour-long Bible study with these people at this house when I went to bid a job. We were there for a long time. And she wanted to kind of talk to me about stuff, and then she wanted to talk to the guy I think it's her boyfriend. And she wanted the, him to start reading the Bible and understand the Bible. And he goes, yeah, well, I go to church with her, but I don't like it. It's, I'm confused. It's, you know, she's a Catholic. And I just went, all right, well, you know, we won't even, we'll just stay away from Catholicism. I want you to be mad at me before I even start working on your house. And she goes, no, I won't get mad. And so she started talking about, you've got to read the Bible and do what the Bible says. And I said, but see, you do a lot of stuff the Bible doesn't teach. And one of the things that if you, I'm sure some of you know Catholicism, and I don't mean to offend if I do. But in Catholicism, there's a lot of vain repetition in prayer. Okay? Go to your com confession Saturday night. This is what I did when I was a little kid. Go to confession on Saturday night. I would lie to the priest because I didn't want to be up on the altar all night repenting and praying. But you, you, if you've never been to Catholic Church, you go into this little box... Uh, at least that's when I was a kid. And there was this little—you just sit in this dark little box, and all of a sudden you just, whoosh, and that meant the priest opened his thing, and he wants you to confess, "Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned." It's been at least, you know, usually with my grandma, it was every week. So it's been one week since my last confession, and then you know I'd tell him, "Oh, I was a little bit, you know, naughty to my grandma, and I might have been mean to my brother, you know." And I, I try to get away with, you know, maybe. Ten Our Fathers and Five Hail Marys or something like that. Um, but see, I would say they would tell you that's what you do is you say these prayers. The Our Fathers, what we know is the Lord's Prayer, right? You repeat that. 
And the Hail Marys is another one when you're praying to Mary. Um, but it's vain repetition because there wasn't any, there's no substance behind that prayer. My prayer is to go in, according to what the priest is telling me to do, I just go in and I do my ten and my five, and I'm good. I'm covered. I'm doing something in order to get forgiveness from God. Okay? And there was no substance behind my prayer. If I was truly repentant, I would do it on my own. So it's the vain repetition. I'm not saying he's specifically speaking to Catholicism here, Roman Catholicism. That's, that's not what he's talking about. The heathen did that, though. It's just vain repetition. It's empty words that you keep saying to God. Like I said, that doesn't mean if you have an unsaved loved one that you wouldn't pray for them every day. Sometimes twice a day. You're just you're doing whatever and all of a sudden God lays on your heart this family member or friend or whatever. And you just go, oh, wait, I need to pray for them. And you just stop and pray. And then you move on and do whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. <coughs> the vain repetition again. You know, the rosary. Okay, if you guys got all of a sudden you have rosary beads. Every night you do your rosary beads. Right? It's four Hail Marys and Our Father or five Hail Marys and Our Father. I've had rosary beads since I was like eight years old, so... It's something like that. But there's a group of four or five and then one. And four or five and then one. And then you get down to the cross, the crucifix, and then you do ten of each. And then you go back up the rosary and then you get to go to bed. Okay, this is, at least that's what my grandma made me do. That's cool. I like beads. You like beads. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There's beads. Uh, again, and that's not, and, and, and it's not a total knock on Catholicism. There are people in the Catholic Church, great people, and I'm sure born-again Christians in the Catholic Church, okay? I know they're there. They're in that religion, and that's where they are. God is the one that needs to pull them out. And I, I, I don't mean just, like, again, not to say that offensively to anybody. But the vain repetition, we don't want that. We want to just say what we need to say to God, have Him listen to us, and then move on. He knows what we need, right? Isn't that what He says right here, Jesus said? He says, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So then you would say, well, why ask then if he already knows? Well, because he wants you to. Right? When your kids are having a birthday, you bought a gift for your, your son or daughter or whatever. They know you got the gift, but you want them to anticipate you giving that gift. I mean, you don't want them to say, hey, give me my gift. But you don't want them to just expect. You know what I mean? You don't want it like, hey, I'm entitled. It's my birthday. I deserve gifts. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Christmas is the same thing. You, you want them to want the gift and appreciate what you're giving them. It's not an entitlement thing. And that's what God, He's willing to give us all kinds of stuff. I, heard, I remember hearing one time of uh, somebody said, heaven one time could be like uh, when you get to heaven... God's going to take you into this warehouse and it's just going to be filled with boxes of stuff. And you go, well, what is all this? He goes, these are all the things that I wanted to give you that you never asked me for. You know, God wants to bless us. We're his children. He wants to give us all kinds of stuff within his, you know, what, what's going to be good for us. Not the things, what we want all the time. You know, he's, there's a lot of weird God, doctrine out there that teaches that. That's not what he wants to do. But he wants to give good things to us. And we need to go to him and just ask him for the good things that he wants for us, whatever that might be. You know, I had a desire when I became a Christian. I knew I had a desire to be married. So I prayed, God, I, I want my wife to be prepared for me and me for her more was the issue. And I said, God, you make me the man that I need to be. I want the godliest woman there is. That's what I want for a wife, a godly woman. And I knew a godly woman would look for one kind of man. That would be a godly man. So I said, God, you got to start working on me. And when I'm ready, you bring the woman to me. And I didn't go looking. I didn't date. I didn't look for a woman. I studied the Bible following Jesus Christ. And he actually did it just that way. I was at work one day. This lady came into the door. She was getting a part-time job at the company I was at. And we were married a year later. We were both Christians. And three of my four kids are here. And three of my grandkids over there in the nursery with my wife right now. 30, going on 32, 33 years. Something like that. Over 30 years. Cover myself because I know she's listening. Um, 
God wanted to bless me. But I had to be ready to receive the blessing that He had for me. So that was my prayer. So they tell him, don't be like them. So he says, in this manner, therefore pray. Notice he doesn't say, okay, here's what you pray. And that's what we've done in the church. We've made this the prayer. And Jesus didn't say, okay, here's the prayer. He said, pray in this manner. Pray like this. That's what he's saying. So he starts off with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or he's recognized, first of all, who God is and his position. So he's our Father. He's Daddy. Abba. That's what they say in the Hebrew. Abba. He's Daddy. Recognize that's the relationship. I don't have to impress him. I don't need to impress him. I just I just want to oh man, dad, this is awesome. You're in heaven. Okay, so he's he's outside of where we are, outside of our realm. And we want to acknowledge he's much greater and much smarter and so much more than we are. But he's our dad. You guys remember when you're a kid, your dad was everything. Right? Hopefully. I know it doesn't happen with everybody. My dad was dead when I was nine, so you know, and I didn't see him probably past the time I was seven and a half to eight years old. But I, I know, man, everybody thinks their dad is the strongest, the smartest, the, I mean, the best at everything. And so that's what, that's what that, that awe, that's what we want to have for God in heaven. So he's, our father, he's in heaven and his name is holy. We need to understand, holy is his name. So we don't just use it. I was on a job today and this guy was, um, he was doing something. He goes, he goes, Jesus. Except he didn't use it like I would use the name. And he goes, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I go, you know, it's funny. When someone gets mad and they want to cuss, they use God's name. I said, why don't you say Adolf Hitler or Buddha? Why do you use God and Jesus as curse words? Isn't that weird how they do that? So we need to recognize his name is holy. So we don't use it as a curse word. We should not enjoy other people doing that. I don't confront people. I never said anything to the guy. I told him, he goes, oh, I'm sorry about that. And I go, well, you don't, you're not going to answer to me for that. Don't worry about it. Because I'm, he didn't curse my name, you know. So, his name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. So, we're praying for God's kingdom. That's, that's our goal. As Christians, our goal is we're going to spend time in his kingdom. We want his will done. It's done in heaven because he is the king of heaven. His will is done there. The angels do exactly what He wants. We want that done here. We want the people on this planet to serve God and do His will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. We want that here. Man, what a difference this planet would be if we didn't have wicked sinners like me and you on it. But as we surrender to Him, we can start seeing His will to be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, Provision. God's provision. Every day. Remember we saw when we were in the Old Testament when they were in Exodus, God provided the bread for the manna in the wilderness for 40 years. He provided that for them. So each day we pray God's provision for us. And it's funny because His provision doesn't always look like food. And in our minds, that's what it is because our daily bread, we're thinking food. And He will provide that but as a, a self-employed person, electrical contractor, there's sometimes when I don't have work. So I go, okay, Lord. And I, I learned this from another friend of mine who was uh, a general contractor. <clears throat> and uh, one day we were both, neither one of us had much work. And so he goes, let's pray. And we pray. And he goes, Lord, just give us our, our daily bread. Provide for today. Whatever it is you have. And I've done that. And... I didn't get work that day, but maybe I went to the gas station and then spent an hour sharing Jesus with somebody. And I'm like, that was totally cool. I, if I would have been at a job somewhere, I wouldn't have had that opportunity with this person. So his provision doesn't always look like food, though he will always provide. Okay, I've been a Christian for 33 years, and I have never gone hungry. Almost tonight, though, Alex and I almost didn't get our enchiladas. <laughs> Actually, I didn't get mine. He got his, but I did get a taco, so I was, I was, I'm okay. But um, I've never gone hungry. We've never had a lot. My kids, 
never went without food. They always ate, and you see how tall they are. Obviously, they <laughs> well, they're not big this way. They're this way. Um, God has always provided for us, and things look like, man, tight. I don't know what we're gonna do. We we've got meals that my kids love, that my wife and I came up with when we were married because there was times we're like, okay, what are we gonna do? We got like five bucks. We gotta go shopping for the week. This is back in the '80s when you could get some food for five bucks. Now you get a loaf of bread, I think. <laughs> but we came up with meals, and my kids still to this day they love those meals. We came up with them, but there was times when I'm just like, okay, Lord, I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, I remember one time uh, I needed gas money, and we had no money and no food in the house. So I'm like, oh man, Lord, I want to trust. I just, I, I believe. Where God guides, God provides. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to trust you. But I'm going to call my mom when she gets off work, and I'm just going to borrow $20. That'll give me enough gas money, if you can believe that. Gas money for a 1967 Mustang to drive to Silmar for like three days before payday. I was able to get enough gas. It wasn't even a buck a gallon, I don't think. Plus groceries. So I go, I'm going to borrow 20 bucks. I did this just, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I'm just, I know my mom will have it. It's not a big deal, and I'll pay her back Friday when I get paid. I don't know. Hour later, hour and a half later, the mail comes, right? In the mail, an envelope. Open it up, $100 cashier's check. Said, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. That's out of Isaiah. Mm. I didn't have to borrow the money from my mom. God would show me, I will provide for you. You can trust me. Yeah, back. Wasn't Grandma not a Christian at that time, too? No, she was. She was? Okay. Yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. She got saved about a year after me. So, But that's God. And if you guys have walked with Him any length of time, He does that over and over and over. I can tell you stories about my kids. Becca always wanted piano and piano lessons. And she got, <clears throat> when we bought our house up here in Twin Peaks, the people were selling the house. Hey, we've got this piano. Uh, give us 100 bucks. You can have the piano. And this is a 1840-something piano. It's, it's, it's the same uh, soundboard as the grand piano. It's just in an upright. It's really, when it was um, tuned well, it sounded really good. And then her piano teacher was two doors down from us and was the piano teacher. If you had piano lessons on the mountain, this was the lady you wanted to teach you. That was her piano teacher. Mark always prayed for us, a house with a white fence and stairs, right? <laughs> you live in the mountains, you get stairs. I could just, I mean, thing after thing where my kids saw God providing. And now Becca, being married, having three kids, and her husband works at the camp at Green Valley Lake, they're doing the same thing because they don't make a lot of money up there. But they've eaten every night. He's always provided. He's incredible that way. So his provision, it will always be there. Just pray for it. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the debts that we have, um, whether it be to God, to other men, and then their debts to us. We, we want to try to be without debt. And that could be financial. It could be um, contractual, uh, you know, things you say, stuff like that, okay? We, we want to have the debts gone. And then uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So God doesn't lead us into temptation. The prayer is God, keep us from temptation. And if it comes, give us the power to resist or to overcome that temptation. They're just basic general stuff. So you don't know what to pray? There's a few things. You go, hey God, you know what? I just want to I just want to say thank you for giving me life you know i'm on this side of the grass instead of the other side that i ate dinner last night or last week even think of how many people in the other countries of the world that don't get to eat every day so you know it's cool and it's and we you know mary's here and i don't want to puff her up god has given her the heart to do this food ministry that goes on here and some of you guys are going to come help her with that um because there's people that they just need help. And it's important that we clothe and feed the people. That's that's really important thing to do. Then Jesus goes back after he says, 
at the end there, yours is the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. And then in verse 15, he gives a little commentary. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty heavy. You want to be forgiven? He says you've got to forgive. If you don't want to forgive, then God doesn't want to forgive either. I've had guys tell me, well, that's, I don't believe that's what it's saying. I'm, well, you know what? I'm not that smart, but it says there that if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. That's just what it says. You can argue and say, no, that's not what it means, and maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know. I just know what it says. It's important that we forgive. Because the one thing about forgiveness, I think I mentioned it last week, is remember, when we hold bitterness and a grudge against somebody, bitterness is the poison that we take in order to kill the other person. It just kills us. It doesn't hurt them. They go on about life. They don't even know you're mad at them. They don't even care. You know, they're enjoying life and you're just, oh, I can't help it. You're dying inside and they're just enjoying life. Say, is it worth it? Let it go. Forgive them. I always say, you know what? Life's too short. I don't have time for that. There's people going to hell. I need to focus on that. I'm not going to worry about the people that have wronged me. It's not that big of a deal. Just let it go. Okay, so we have uh, forgiveness, the ability to forgive, the power to overcome. Um, the forgiveness being really critical uh, in Mark 11, 24 and 25. It says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So just in case you weren't sure what I was just telling you, there it is again. So it's important that we forgive. Um, in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, Jeremiah speaking, God speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. What a great promise. If you search for God with all your heart, if you pray, he says, I will hear you. So don't think that God's not going to listen. We had uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I corrected a couple weeks ago, with uh, Tanner when he was here. I, I, I had mentioned God hears all the things you say. He's, he's omnipotent, omnipotent. He's everywhere. He hears it all. But the first prayer that you're going to get response from God is going to be the prayer when you repent of the life that you live and turn to Him. That's the first one where you start getting response from God. Up to that point, God hears everything, but you're not getting a reaction from Him. Because you're not like uh, Tanner the pastor was talking. Sunday, or maybe it was last Wednesday. I think it was last Wednesday. Uh, not everyone is a child of God. We are all God's creation, but not everyone is God's child. God's children are those who seek after Him. Those can come to Him and call Him Father. We need to be those who seek Him with all our heart. And then He will listen when we pray. Second Chronicles 15.15 15 is another scripture you could take a look at. I'm not going to get into it. Um, an example of how I talked about short, quick, concise prayers. You get some of these guys that do that. Maybe the guys on TV. You know, with the big, long prayers. Wonder how that would have worked out for him had they been in Peter's shoes. <laughs> when 
Jesus was alone praying, and then he came walking on the water. And Peter saw him and said, oh, there's a ghost. And they said, no, that's the Lord. And Peter said, Lord, bid me that I can come to you. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. And then he looked and he saw the waves and they were boisterous, they are big. It says, and he started to sink. Right? So at that point he starts, oh, holy heavenly Father who art in heaven. I know that you're majestic and start that big long prayer, right? Blah, 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 blah. Right? What does he say? He just goes, Lord, save me. That was it. Quick prayer, man. There's no time for the long one. I, I take my, I'm dead before I get it out. It's going to be a fast one because I'm sinking. And you said, Lord, save me. And that was all it took. That was in uh, Matthew 14.30. Right? He said, here, Peter answered, said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began sinking. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Something I brought up, I, t- I taught Matthew a couple of years ago, I don't know, a while ago. I went through the book of Matthew when I was doing Thursday nights at my house. Um, something I want to point out here, because this comes up, is people, oh, next time you feel perfect, try walking on water. You guys have heard that saying, right? That's how they try to, oh, don't be so holy. Notice Peter wasn't perfect. See, God doesn't call perfect people. It doesn't take a perfect person to walk on water. It takes an obedient person to walk on water. That's what Jesus is looking for, obedience. That's how come he walked on water. Peter said, if it's you, tell me to walk on water. He said, okay, come on. And he got out and walked on water. He said, you know, Peter, I wanted to work with you, but dude, you're not perfect. Sorry, it's not going to work out. He walked on the water because he was obedient. So remember that it's just obedience. God can do crazy stuff with a little bit of obedience. And then we can't get our eyes on all the bad stuff because you're going to start following Jesus. Like I said last week, one of the promises we get as a Christian following after God is you will go through trials and temptation. It's going to be there. The world hated me, he said. It will also hate you. So expect it. So when it happens, just go, well, this is just, that's what Jesus said was going to happen. It's not this rosy, now oh, I'm a Christian, everything's perfect now. It's far from it. That's when, that's when the, the war starts. Because before you were on Satan's side. You're fighting with him, even though you didn't know it. So he doesn't have to do anything to you. Now you're fighting against him. Now the battle's on. So expect, it's coming. So again, it's just obedient people. That's what God wants. He doesn't need perfect people. He just wants obedient people. The early church in Acts chapter 1, we're just going to look at some different examples of some prayer that goes on here. Acts chapter 1, we have the early church. In verse 14, it says, These all continued. It went through the names of the different people there in the upper room. The day of Pentecost, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we see the early church continuing to pray and offer supplication. And basically it's the same thing. It's just an offering to the Lord. The church They all had one mind. They had one purpose and one goal. That's what's so cool about right here at Cabot Chapel Running Springs. When Tanner came on board and he started sharing his vision, he and I were talking a lot. I'm I'm not part of the board, so I don't know what the board and he were talking about. But when we got together and we started talking and we started, all of a sudden we realized we had the same vision and our vision and our goal was to make disciples. I've been doing it well, I've been doing it actually for the last 32 years because I started with junior high, high school. At my house, I've been teaching for the last probably five years and then I did a study like this at the Calvary Chapel Conference Center for like four years prior to that um, to make disciples. My goal is not to have people sit in church and listen to me flap my gums. My goal is that when we do these studies and I give verses that you guys dig in and go, wait, where did he get that? Wait, what's that? He gave another verse. He didn't read that one. I'm going to look that one up and see how that works out. My goal is that you guys would have the relationship yourself and dig for yourself and find the things that I'm talking about and more because I'm covering 
a very, very small percentage of what the Bible talks about prayer. Very small. It's a foundation class. We just hit the surface. It's there. The surface is there. And you can dive in and go as deep as you want to go. It's up to you. That's my goal. That's Tanner's goal. Uh, if you guys know Adam, he teaches the men's breakfast here on Saturday mornings. He, that's his goal. Mike Vasquez, who taught last night, okay, that's his goal. He does a home Bible study at his house on Tuesdays. Um, that's our goal. And we all have that same vision. We have a common goal. Okay? So, um, we have the early church with that same thing. They're continuous prayer and they were of one accord. Okay? That's not, we're not talking about the Honda. This is being of the same mind. Acts 12, 1 through 15. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but what happened here was Herod was the king at the time, and Herod <coughs> killed James, um, the brother of John, with the sword. He, Herod was a king, and he killed James, who was a follower of Jesus, right? Do you remember the, the three boys that Jesus took up to the Mount Transfigured? He took the three boys with him everywhere James, John, and Peter. Okay? Again, not because they were good. Because he had to keep them close, man, because they were like me. If I'm not close, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So he kept them close. Anyways, James is killed. And Herod saw that's a good thing. They liked it. So they took Peter and they put him in prison. So Peter's in prison. And it says in verse 5 of chapter 12 that Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So the church, Peter's in prison. we got to pray. Peter's like kind of the head of the church. He's not the first pope. He's the head of the church at the time. No better than anybody else. And um, unfortunately, you guys don't get to go to the junior high camp that's happening at the end of the month. But uh, except for Andrew, we'll get to go. And I think Alex is going to be there. And Whitney will be there. So you guys will get to hear the story of Peter because that's what I'm teaching on. Um, real in-depth on Peter. Uh, anyways... So Peter's in prison. The church is praying for him. And an angel comes and hits Peter on the side. Hey, get up. And his chains fall off. He says, let's go. Peter's not sure if it's a vision. He's not sure what's going on. But the angel says, get up and let's go. And the, he starts following the angel. And all of a sudden, the prison doors start opening up, right? So it's kind of like going to the supermarket, right? You walk up and the door, you don't have to push the door. It just opens for you. Okay? It happened back here for Peter in the jail. So they go out. He's following the angel. He's not sure where they're going. He gets past the first guard and the second guard. It's the first post, the second post. It says in verse 10. They're going along. And then all of a sudden, Peter realizes, wait. In verse 11, Peter had come to himself and said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So he's delivered from prison. So he goes to where he knows everybody's meeting. Right? In chapter 12, verse 13. And it says, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. And now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand he kept to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. The church is praying for Peter to be released. And when he's released, they don't believe it. We're supposed to pray with faith. We're supposed to believe that God will do the things that we're asking if we're praying in His according to His will. They didn't have the faith to believe what was going on here. And fortunately, God doesn't have to have our faith. He'll still do stuff just to blow us away like this. They're praying for Peter, and when he shows up, they're like, oh, no, that can't be Peter. You're beside yourself. Peter's in prison. Let's keep, come on, we're going to pray for Peter to get out of prison. No, he's here. No, no, Peter can't get out of prison because we're not, we're still praying for him. I don't know what they're thinking. But here he is. So it's it's good to know that even when we mess up, if you guys remember, there was a, a, a guy that Jesus was dealing with. His son was a, a demon-possessed, and it says that he convulsed, and the, the demon actually threw him in the fire and, and burned him. And the Lord says, if you, have, if you have a little faith, he'll be okay. And the Lord, he, the guy said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
So it's okay, you know, there's, we struggle with stuff sometimes. Lord, I don't see how this is going to work out, but you know what? I know who you are, and that's the important thing is get to know who he is. That's what prayer is about, understanding God and getting to know God, right? I didn't just see my wife and walk up and go, hey, let's go get married, and we went off and got married. I got to know her a little bit. We actually talked so I could find out what she was about. You know, she's not some psycho killer that just happened to show up, you know, and she's just waiting for a guy to just knock him off. I, I got to know her. Find out because I was looking for a godly woman. When I first talked to her, I didn't even know. Well, actually, I did know she was a Christian the first time I talked to her because a friend of mine went to her church. Um, but I wanted to get to know her. The way I got to know her was spending time with her. Okay? You want to get to know God? Spend time with Him. In His Word, in prayer. Get to know Him. And then also when stuff like this goes on, God says He's going to do something crazy and you're just like, oh God, I don't know how you're going to do this. But you know what? I know you can. Right? Uh, we've all gone through some crazy stuff. You know, I told you guys last week about me and my past. And um, God got me through all of that stuff. When I... I couldn't do it myself. There's no way. It took him. So the, the early church, they pray, but they didn't really have the faith. They didn't think that God was going to be able to do the things that they were asking, apparently. So when he did them, they were kind of blown away. But fortunately for Peter, God didn't rely on the church to get him out of prison. Um, in Matthew 21:22. It says, and whatever, this is Jesus speaking, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now this is also, this is according to as well. It's not just anything. God, I, I believe you're going to give me a Bentley. You're probably not going to get one. Um, because there's another scripture in James, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave tossed, a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, it's speaking of wisdom, but see, he's asking of God. When you ask, you have to ask in faith. If you ask in faith, he will be willing to give to you those things that are according to His will. Um, James also says that sometimes you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. You ask wrongly. Your your motivation isn't right. When you ask something from God, we're supposed to ask according to His will. When we say in our prayers, we end our prayers in Jesus' name. Okay, If I'm asking in Jesus' name, what I'm saying is, I believe this is what Jesus has planned. This is what Jesus' will is. That's why we say in Jesus' name. It's not just so that we can throw His name out there. I'm asking, believing this is what God would have me to pray. So when I'm praying, I can't be thinking about, okay, otherwise I should just say in Kevin's name. Right? Because this is what Kevin wants. I'm saying, no, this is what Jesus wants. And that's why I'm praying it this way. In Jesus' name. It's according to His will. So I'm not asking for, you know, God... I really think I need to win the lottery, you know, or I need the rolls, or I need whatever it is, because that's not necessarily what God wants. If He, if he does that, that's fine. It's, I tell everybody, if I win the lottery, it will be the second greatest miracle next to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, because I've never given a dime to the lottery, and I've never, never planned to give in any money. So if I win, it's going to be a miracle, because I don't play. You know, I'm going to be walking down the street, and the thing's going to lay on the ground. I'm going to pick it up. And that's how I'm going to win it. So, you know, I just, I don't need that. I don't need that stuff. Um, in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, back to what we're seeing in the early church, we see the apostles, the 12 guys. Chapter 6, <coughs> verse 4. I know I got to, pretty soon we got to get to the Lord's Prayer here because I'm going to run out of time. Um, the apostles get together and they're they're serving tables and they're trying to teach and they're doing all this stuff. They're trying to there's too much going on. And they go, We need we need people to help us with ministry. So they told him, Hey, choose out from among you seven men of good report that can go about doing this work of distribution and, and not neglecting the people. 
And in verse 4 of chapter 6, it says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So the apostles see the need. Okay, we have to spend time in prayer and the Word because the, the, their job was to teach the church. I mean, it's just growing. Remember, they didn't have this book that we've got. I don't have enough time. Trying to run my business, my electrical business, and all the different stuff that I do, <clears throat> Bible studies every time I can. Um, you know, like this week was really tough because I'm studying, but I never had time to sit down to the computer to actually put my notes in the computer. That's why I didn't know until about 5 o'clock that my printer wouldn't print my notes. That's why they're on this iPad. Um, because Monday was my granddaughter's birthday party down at Chuck E. Cheese. So we were down there Monday. And then yesterday, I worked all day. And then last night was Bible study at Mike Vasquez's house. No, that was Tuesday night at the Vasquez's for a Bible study. Last night was Bible study here. I'm the sound guy. I got home last night at 5.30. Normally, I leave my house at 5.15. I was 15 minutes late even getting home. Then we get home, and it was I was worn, so I didn't get to put my nose together. I've been at, while I'm at work. Every time I can, I get a break, at lunch, or whatever. I start doing my study, and I write my notes, but I hadn't printed them. So it takes a lot to put this together. I don't just sit down and just you know copy paste somebody's notes. It's I spend the time, um, and I don't have enough because I'm working whatever hours it takes for me to get the jobs done that I have. So here we have the apostles doing the same thing. They're going to give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's Tanner's job. He gets money for doing that. And when he teaches, you can tell that's what he does. And he does a great job with it. So they see the, the importance. Now, back in Matthew again, we're going to go back and, and finish after Jesus is talking to the Lord's Prayer. There was another thing he brings up in verse 16 of chapter 6. So Matthew six sixteen. He says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So fasting is another aspect of prayer. Take a drink of my coffee before it gets cold. So fasting is something we don't hear a lot about anymore. Um, it happens. Fasting is <clears throat> where you decide, <clears throat> most of the time it's food, you would decide you're not going to eat. Maybe in the, the period of time, the thing, whatever it is you fast, it's totally up to you. It's between you and God. You know, you're into... Uh, Whatever it is, you know, uh, Dr. Pepper, not in my family. And you go, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to drink doc, Dr. Pepper for two weeks. And you're going to fast Dr. Pepper or you, you really love TV. And so I'm not going to watch TV for three days or whatever. Fasting is, is giving something up so you can focus your, your thoughts to God, okay? Food is probably the best way to fast because I guarantee you'd be hungry. I could go without a TV for months no big deal we used to do it all the time when the kids were little we were so busy at sports activities we never had time for tv plus i was working at disneyland at the time and i'd leave work i'd leave my house at four o'clock every morning um so i was in bed as soon as we got home from whatever sporting activities we had going on food is a great way because i'm always hungry i love eating especially good food especially cheese enchiladas um (laughs) <laughs> okay, on, on the record, Alex did offer one of the enchiladas to me. I refused it. Look at that poor kid, man. He's starving. His parents never feed him. No, um, anyways, food is a great way to fast because your body always wants the food. So you don't eat and your stomach growls and you're like, oh man, I'm hungry. Oh, I need to pray. It, it puts you in tune with God. Now, whether you fast a day, a meal... No breakfast for a week, no lunch for a week, whatever it is. Like I said, it's between you and God. And just do it in a way that you're not going to hurt yourself. Some people can't go without eating food. So that's when you have to find an alternative, something to fast. Um, You know, I would not recommend fasting water um, because you will die. You can live three days without water. 
That's it. Um, so keep the water going. But find something. Because fasting, it, it brings you closer to God. And it gives you strength. Um, it gives you an amazing ability. Uh, I'm trying to find where this... Uh, I'm trying to find one one thing in here that man I just I had it here oh here we are it's in the, Matthew 17 I had to find it verse 21 okay Jesus just did the Mount of Transfiguration with the boys they came down the mountain there's a guy down there he's got a demon possessed son Jesus comes down and he said hey I asked your disciples to heal my son and they couldn't do it and Jesus looks at him and goes man how long do I have to bear with you people man no fit, whatever. Uh, let me get back to it here, 1721. Um, so, when Jesus answered, he said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And then he says, Bring him here to me, the young man. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. If you want to hear the rest of the story, Tanner just taught on it all long ago. But I wanted to point out the fact that the prayer and fasting, Jesus said, would, would have given them the ability to cast out a demon. The strength that there is in prayer and fasting. You're so in tune with what God's doing. You understand Him so completely. It's, it's a, a, an amazing way to focus on God. Um, it's something I recommend. I myself, and this isn't so that you pat me on the, I, I fast once a week without fail. Okay, I'm not locked into it because there's times when I'm fasting and then I go to somebody's house and they cook a big old meal, Right? And I try, no, I'm good, I'm good. But if they cook something, oh no, I made this special for you. I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm fasting today, I can't. You know, okay, thank you. Right, because I want to be like Jesus said, anoint your head with oil. Don't look like you're fasting. I don't want to suck my cheeks in and, you know, my stomach's growling. They cooked a meal for me, they were nice enough to do it. All right, God, he doesn't, I'm not going to be, he's not going to curse me because I didn't fast. So I just, all right, that's fine, I'll break it. I'll fast another day, no big deal. God understands. So I want to be polite too. I don't want people, you know, I don't want it to look like I'm always fasting. I don't want people to know. People that know me and know me well, they know when I'm fasting because I do it the same every week. So they know on that day, you know, like my sons, if they're working for me, Stephen more than Mark, but Stephen will know that that's the day that I fast. So when it's lunchtime, he goes away and he, he goes, you need something to drink and he'll leave and he'll go get lunch, but he won't bring it back to the job. It doesn't bother me. I don't. I can go without eating, even if someone's eating in front of me. But they know, and I just try to keep it that way. And then Jesus is interesting here, nineteen through twenty-one, right after he talks about fasting. So we got prayer and fasting, and then Jesus says in verse nineteen, "Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth." Nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right. Is this back at the Lord's Prayer? Or the model prayer? That's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Okay. Isn't there, he talks about prayer, fasting, and he says, then lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Right after those two. The context of the treasures is in the prayer and fasting. That's the context. He's not talking about you know, do good stuff so that you can have a big bank account in heaven. It goes with the prayer and fasting. So the prayer and fasting, it draws you close to God. And then what's happened? When you're getting close to God, you're doing crazy stuff, right? You're walking on water, you're casting out demons, and you're just doing it. You're not thinking about what the, what the things you're doing, the, the great things that are happening. You're just like, wow, this is crazy. Look what God's doing. When I was talking with those people last week, for an hour or whatever it was, hour and a half. I wasn't thinking about, oh man, I bet God's just so pleased with me right now. 
they were asking questions. They gave me an opportunity, which if anybody cracks the door open for me to share the gospel, I'm jumping in. I'm going in all the way. And I'm not doing it thinking that I'm doing a great thing for God. I'm just like, I have an opportunity here. Okay, I just got the signal. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about, I, I just want to do God's will. That's what we started. That's what prayer is about, right? And in doing so, you're laying up treasures in heaven. And nobody's going to be able to take that away. There's nothing better and greater than having somebody come to Jesus because you were sharing Jesus. You were sharing God with people. There was a school one time I've shared. I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole story because I just got the got a hurry up thing. Um, down in La Puente, gang infested school that I was at. They asked me to come down and teach a Bible study. The first day I was there, I showed a movie. It was called From Fury to Freedom. Raul Reese. It was kind of his life story. It was a very mild version of what his life really was. But I shared this story or showed this movie. Got up afterwards and said, "Look, you guys saw the movie. I know the man." It's way worse than what you saw in the movie. I know this man, and I know how God has changed this man. Any of you in here who want to know Jesus Christ, I want you to stand and accept Jesus Christ. And the kids all kind of sat there. I said, anybody, don't don't worry about what everybody else is doing. If you want Jesus, please stand. One kid stands, another kid stands, another kid, 45 kids. I was at that school for a year. At the end of the year, the principal asked me to do the, the end of the year assembly for the school. Me, I was just there teaching a Bible study. Then he goes, I want you to teach your summer school class. The guy wouldn't let me go. I eventually left because the lady that brought me there wanted to get two other churches involved that we doctrinally didn't agree, so I left. I said, if you think they need to be here, they can be here. No big deal. We'll just move on. And I moved on. And it took those two other churches, it took them two months before the lawsuit was brought against the school. I was there over a year with no problems. Two months later, after those people took over, there was lawsuits against that school district for letting that Bible study be in the school. God did the work. It wasn't me. But to watch all those kids, and some of them to this day are walking with the Lord. From junior high school. I'm like, that was so cool. And we're talking, I mean, full-on gang. One day we pulled up, they're washing the blood off the sidewalk from a kid that just got killed right in front of the school. I'm just like, oh, man. White boy like me, gang-infested La Puente. But, man, they listen. God did amazing stuff there. Okay, we're going to have to move because we got stuff. We got that prayer and fasting there in Acts 9, 36 through 42. We have Peter praying and raising dead people. Um, there is a, we, can, we can hinder our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, If we regard iniquity in our hearts, God will not hear us. Um, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says that our sin will separate us from our God. We read that already uh, last week, I think it was, or the week before. Um, Proverbs 28, 9 says that our prayer can be an abomination to God. You have to look that one up. Um, we're to pray in humility. Luke 18, 11 through 14, where Jesus talks about the Pharisee praying not to thank God that I'm not like the tax collector over there. First uh, Peter 3 through 7, for those of us that are husbands, and I, I know two of us that are in here right now, anyways, um, that we can hinder our prayers because of the relationship we have with our wives as husbands. That's crazy. But I do want to finish with this before Richard totally cuts me off here. John chapter 17. I'm not going to comment. I'm just going to read. This is the Lord's Prayer. Okay? This is Jesus praying. This is the Lord's Prayer, not what we just saw in Matthew. Here's Jesus praying. Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them your word, the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, 
for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, those whom you gave me. I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I glory and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your, the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Compare that with that model prayer. And you see what he's doing, exactly what he said to do in the model prayer. He's not praying that prayer, but he's got that model. It's all in there. It's broken down in there. How amazing that prayer that Jesus had. And he prayed for us, right? He said, I don't pray for just these, but those who will believe on me because of what they say. Prayer is just talking to God. That that was a simple... I mean, you read what Jesus said. It didn't sound like really, oh, I can't understand what he's saying. It's very simple. It was just a conversation he was having with his father. That's all it is. That's all we want to do. So let's do that now. Father, we just want to thank you for teaching us what it is to pray. And help us never to get caught up in, in words and trying to look like something that we're not. We just give you our lives. We want to get to know you more each and every day. Help us to spend time with you in prayer, in fasting and in your word, so that we would just become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.